Hey, all you EM studs out there. It is October 10th, 2017, and I just can't believe it. I mean, I was just looking at my calendar, and it said August, and I literally have no idea where September went. Time is just flying by. And that's because we're all getting ready for interview season. It's such an exciting and busy time of the year. I have just seen some phenomenal applications from you guys this year. I can't wait to get to meet some of you on the interview trail and maybe also at ASAP later this month in Washington, D.C. Who knows? So anyway, right now we are going to re-release an oldie that Scott and I recorded way back in um, 2016 where we talk about nailing the interview. So with that bumped right on up to the top of the feed, check it out and check us out later on for new content coming up on the EM Stud Podcast. Hi there, are you Scott? Yeah, how's it going? Hey, welcome to your interview. I'm Dr. Lewis. Why don't you have a seat here? Uh, What brings you to our program? Um, I don't know. My advisor told me to apply abroad. You guys gave me the offer, and so I'm I'm kind of here. Is this a three or four year program? Uh, it's a, a three year program. We have that um, you know, listed on our website. Right, um, right, right. Well, but that's okay. Hey, um, ha- have a seat and um, tell me what what do you like about emergency medicine? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it kind of fit. Um. Uh... It was fun. Um, oh, I know. I, I really hate call. I mean, don't you hate call, man? Yeah, that sucks. And, you know, the residency is the perfect timing. Um, you said it was three years, right? Is that right? Yes, this is a three-year program. That's cool, correct. cool, cool. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I like. Uh, w- well, good. Um, hey, you know, I also noticed you were just a little bit late this morning. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's totally not my fault. You know, I, I just haven't been sleeping well. I was a little nervous. Um and man, that night before the interview party that your residents threw, oh my gosh, they are party animals. We stayed out so late. Um, man, especially that guy, Keith. Oh, can he drink? Um, right. Uh, well, uh, you, you look like you uh, made it through the night okay. I mean, uh, that's uh, quite a, a bow tie there, bright uh, neon yellow bow tie. And are, are those flamingos on your jacket? Yeah, yeah, they kind of go with that. I don't know if you can see little whales in the bow tie, but yeah, we're kind of like a, a nautical oh. family. That's, yeah, it's kind of my deal. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, well, hey, uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Oh, man, um, I'm pretty awesome. Uh, you know, if you ain't first, you're last, and that's kind of the way I roll. Uh, gotcha. Um, okay, well, uh, do you have any questions for me? Uh, let's see here. All right. So Nate, you go by Nate, right? Yeah. My mom owns this like jazzercise company and I'm pretty mm. sure they have a branch here. So, you know, if I match and things kind of work out, you know what I'm saying? I might be able to get you some free classes, huh? How does that sound, buddy? Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, well, I uh, sure. Scott, it was very nice to meet you, but, um, uh, why don't you go ahead and have a seat outside? Oh yeah. Cool. Good to meet you, man. Thanks again. All right. Whew. Man, that was that was weird. Maybe this guy should have listened to the EM Stud interview podcast.
All right. Well, welcome to the EM Stud Podcast. Thanks for tuning in once again. I am here with uh, Scott Weeder. Scott, how have you been? Oh, man, Nate, I just got back from ASAP Vegas. And I could tell you what happened, but you know what they say about Vegas? What happens in Vegas actually saves lives. That was actually the theme. It was really a nice play on words. And I think some lives were saved because of the conference. And if you went there, you'll know what I mean. Uh, I saw about maybe 20 or 30 of my former students who are now like interns, residents, some chiefs, and, and even some attendings. And I think that's one of the most amazing, biggest reasons why, Nate, you and I, we have the world's best jobs as clerkship directors. What do you think? Oh, man, I couldn't agree more. I really wish I could have made it out to Vegas this year, but uh, uh, who knows? D.C. next year, right? All right, so what we're going to talk about today is uh, is interviews, uh, you know, how to prepare, how to really make a good impression uh, on interview day, and probably most importantly, how to come out of the entire interview season with the information that you need to put together uh, your rank list. So back in 2014, I had talked on a previous episode about the seven P's of RSI, which stands for really stellar interviewing. Oh, Nate, I love a good acronym. That is brilliant. So, man, RSI me. So the seven P's of a really stellar interview, those P's are preparation, practice, punctuality, professionalism, precision, avoidance of pet peeves, and finally, perspective. Let's start with step one, preparation. How do we prepare, Nate? So if you've ever been on a job interview and your future potential employer is looking at you and asking you questions, you've probably been in that hot seat and know just how important it is to prepare for these things. Prepare for the sorts of questions you may be asked. Prepare for how to represent yourself well. And I think this really starts way ahead of time when you're researching programs. When you're looking at programs, hopefully you're applying to programs that interest you, that have the sorts of opportunities that you're looking for. And so when you're sitting there on interview day, you're not sort of stumbling around thinking, well, is is this a three-year program? Is this a four-year program? Where in the world am I exactly? You've done your research ahead of time. You know the curriculum. You know the people. uh, And that, I think, speaks a lot for preparation. Man, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things I've noticed is I had a lot of students come up to me at ASAP. They found me. And that's going to really go well when it comes to an interview season. I always like to think of open-ended questions that taps into the interviewer's passions. So maybe, you know, I saw you speak on tranexamic acid at ASAP. How are you guys using that at your center? That's going to really go well. Uh, maybe you researched the person and you didn't stalk them on Facebook, okay? But you did a quick Google search and saw that they're a big research maybe in hematology. You know, you could ask, hey, I know that you do this work. What projects are you working on? Whenever you can talk about what they're passionate about, and even ask that question if you don't know them. Say, what are you passionate about here? Why do you choose academics? You could work anywhere. What do you love about your job? When you can find out what that person is interested in and tap into it, the interview is going to be so much easier. So I love the questions that are open-ended. What are you passionate about? What projects are you working on? What dreams do you have from the program? But you should prepare and find the person and understand a little bit about what they're interested in because we all have our niches. And you know, Scott, when we're talking about preparation, you know, I, I have to speak also about just the logistics of preparation also. It's not just learning about the programs. You should obviously do that. 
But preparing also means that you uh, maybe get into town the night before, you get a good night's sleep, you arrange what you're going to wear the next day, and you have everything out and ready to go. You bring extra copies of your CV or publications uh, in case somebody asks you for that. Uh, and just really being ready for the interview day itself. A dovetail to that, some of the things I love the most, I've had students come in that say, you know what, I'm interested in art. And I'll say, well, that's cool. Do you have anything? And when they've shown me pictures on their phone, that's been amazing. Maybe they are musically talented and they've got a few tracks out there. They'll play their track on their phone or something. Maybe they've done some woodworking or they've got a craft or a hobby. Show us some Pinterest pictures of that. Anytime those things can happen, that's really going to put a memory in the interviewer's mind of more about who you really are and set you off perhaps. So if you're going to list stuff like this on your resume, on your CV, make sure you bring something. The next P is practice. Nate, I can't say enough about this. You should never go into an interview without practicing some of the questions. You know that there's going to be about 200 softball questions out there that's probably going to hit about 90% of the questions you're going to get asked. That's what they're going to throw right across the strike zone, and you need to practice and do some batting practice before you get to the plate. So go to a few sites like emadvisor.blogspot.com. Go to EMRA. They've got lists of the top 200 questions that you will be asked on your interview. You're going to know these, and you need to practice them. Now, not so much that it's robotic, but you need to have a line. The thing that I love is a story. We are a culture that loves the narrative of story. I'm not going to remember a student that says that I'm hardworking, smart, and love EM. Everybody is. Everyone we've invited is going to be those qualities. Think outside of the box. My challenge to you is to identify three qualities that you are strong at, that other people have complimented you on, and then don't just say those, but describe them in the form of story. Here's an example. I'm told I'm empathetic. I love listening to patients. I have multiple patients ask me if I could be their doctor after they're discharged from the hospital. And my classmates even voted me the person they would trust the most to take care of them. Those are stories, those are narratives that communicate empathetic. And you should probably find a handful, maybe a half dozen stories that dovetail with your character qualities that you can insert into answers at different times. Now that question might be, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? That might be, what do you bring to our program? That might be, what are you good at? It could look a lot of different ways, but I really think you need to develop a couple of stories that can communicate your character qualities. I agree 100%. It's, it's one thing to have your uh, qualities written down on a piece of paper in your application. It's another thing entirely to actually uh, present that yourself during an interview to actually say it. Uh, so I also recommend that uh, in terms of practicing, you grab a friend or family member or roommate or whoever and actually practice going through an interview. Have them uh, sit down with you, ask you questions, and uh, practice responding to them. And if you don't have someone that you can grab, uh, maybe even a tape recorder. You can tape yourself uh, responding to questions and Listen back and see how you sound. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nate, what is a tape recorder? Oh, right. It is 2016. Yeah, man. There's an app for these things, okay? And it's called your smartphone. <laughs> so 
you got to do a selfie. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But go ahead, set the phone on a tripod, practice hitting some softballs. After that, watch it. You will then collapse, seize, wake up, recover from your postictal state, and reflect on what you've done. You're going to pick out your mannerisms. You're going to pick out your nonverbal communication skills, which are probably 70% of the way we communicate. It's not verbal. It's nonverbal. You will pick up on these, and you need to identify them. Another way is I do some mock interviews for our students. We just did that a few weeks ago, and I recorded the students on a phone. I had them watch it, and guys, I'm telling you, there's no better medicine you can take for polishing your interview than the selfie. Another thing to prepare for uh, and practice is how to respond to some of the uh, weirder questions that you may get on the interview trail. Uh, I know I've been asked some uh, odd things at interviews. Uh, One of my favorites was, uh, if you could be a plant, what plant would you be? Venus flytrap, because I'm so intense. I love it. I love it. Okay, Nate, the next P is punctuality. So this guy was a little bit late. He was blaming others. Is that okay? What happens there? Oh, man, it is never a good idea to show up late. Um, that is a sure way to just sabotage the rest of your interview day. Uh, now, look, we, we understand that people have problems with traffic and delayed flights and, and things like that. Things happen. We, we get that. But it kind of comes down to how well you're prepared. And if you're that one guy out of, you know, 15 people that day who showed up late, it's definitely going to stand out. Uh, And, you know, also think about it from the program's perspective. I don't know if students realize this, but programs really invest a lot of time and money and energy into putting together these interview days. And if somebody shows up late, you know, without an excuse, without calling ahead of time, without a heads up, it it really just leaves sort of a sour taste in our mouth. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about first impressions. Did you know that it takes seven seconds to make a decision? If you watch TED Talks, if you study people watching TED Talks, you study college students taking classes, they've done some very interesting psychology studies. So here's the interesting point. They asked students that were in college or people watching TED Talks to watch the first seven seconds and then make a decision based on evaluation of the speaker. Then they compare that to another group who watched the entire presentation on TED or the entire college class, and then they also gave an evaluation. Would you believe that the evaluations were identical? So it takes seven seconds for you to develop an impression about this person. And I think Gladwell talks about this in one of my favorite books called Blink. And if you haven't had a chance to read this, this might be something to take on a plane or maybe finish after interviews in the fourth year stretch. But Gladwell talks about how experts make decisions quickly based on just a few different metrics. The examples might be a cop who might not shoot somebody versus a rookie cop who will. Pilots who land planes on a river. Or maybe why the the attending can diagnose sick or not sick just by looking at them from the bedside. Interviewers do the same. It just takes seven seconds for us to decide whether this is going to work or not. So the first impression, I think, is critical here. Your body language when you walk in the door, the smile, the dress, the handshake, 
start it off strong. Absolutely. You got to set yourself up to be successful here. And, you know, I've even known students who have gone out and, you know, they say they're interviewing at a at a place that has a big hospital complex, a lot of confusing places in terms of directions. They'll go there the day before and just walk around, figure out where they're going to park, how to get from point A to point B, how long it's going to take. Uh, and, you know, that also is just one less thing that you're stressed about the morning of the interview if you've already sort of uh, rehearsed that or prepared for that. Now, another point that I have to make about punctuality, the one thing worse than being late is not showing up at all. Now, we understand that, you know, out of all of the interviews that you may be offered, uh, you may get to a point where you say, you know what, I've uh, changed my priorities, maybe I'm not as uh, interested in this program, I've already been on a whole bunch of interviews, and if you cancel some interviews, that's okay, people do that, but you know, please, please, please give us enough time in advance so that we're not waiting for you that morning and then you're simply a no-show. It's, it's, it comes down to professionalism too. Nate, that's a great segue into our next topic here, professionalism. So Nate, how do we nail this part of the really stellar interview? Well, I think... The easiest way to remember to be professional is remember that you are at a job interview. Uh, This is a little bit different than uh, interviews for, say, college or medical school. I mean, this is truly uh, a position where you will be given a lot of responsibility and expected to take care of patients uh, and, you know, adequately document encounters and and really do sort of the real work that physicians do. And so we're going to expect you to be professional from that time of your interview. So things like the attire. I'm not uh, the best dressed guy in my department by, by any means, but you know, when you're on an interview, I think you probably wanna be a bit more conservative that uh, really you'd be proud wearing to any other sort of job interview. Something that looks professional, something that looks clean, uh, without a whole lot of distracting uh, colors, Uh, You obviously don't want to wear a ton of perfume uh, that can distract your interviewer. Yeah, I remember a case a while back, Nate, a few years ago. The guy was his last interview of the day, and he came in, and it was a long day. But he had his tie loosened up. He was slouched in the chair. He was clearly just tired. And I brought that up to our team. They said, no, I had a good interview with him earlier in the day. And this guy, he tended to be maybe one of our more troubled residents throughout his career. And it was just something like that that tipped us off. So make sure that you've got things tidied up. Uh, One of the things that I think is important is either grow a beard or don't. (laughs) Don't go halfway on this kind of thing, okay? I understand because I've never been able to grow a beard, so I'm a little jealous. So if you come in with a very manly beard, that might give you some points. But spend time doing that. Don't come with a half beard. Um, Are boots okay to wear? Well, If you're interviewing in Texas, it might be okay, especially if they're 1883 Lucchese classics. I will be very impressed. I have no idea what that means. So don't wear boots if you're interviewing maybe on the East Coast at VCU or New York City. (laughs) That might not go over well. Understand your audience. So the other thing I want to say is a lot of people say, just be yourself. And folks, I'm sorry. You should not be yourself. You should be better than yourself. I mean, especially if you're antisocial or borderline, be better. So we're all selfish. You need to put others ahead of you. 
that needs to be communicated in the interview. We are all egocentric. I'm sorry, but you need to understand this. You need to think less of yourself and more of others. Left to our own, I'm sorry, but you're going to be lazy. So choose hard things. Develop those character qualities. Tell stories that demonstrate those character qualities. And you need to understand these biases. We all have unconscious bias. Some of us are better at recognizing it than others. You need to be self-aware. And one final plug in the uh, section under professionalism, I just have to say the program coordinators out there, they work so hard to arrange interview days, to coordinate schedules, to set up times for meetings. They truly are the backbones of our programs. And they actually have a lot of pull with the program directors. So please, for your own sake, be polite to everybody, especially the program coordinators. Uh, you want them to have just as positive uh, an impression of you as everybody else that you've met with for an interview. Yeah, Nate, you're going to have a mom and a dad at your program. Now, it's 2016. You might have two moms. You might have two dads. But usually, mom's going to be the program director. Dad's going to be the program coordinator. You need to be very good with both of these people. And I would make an argument that you're going to spend more time in your program coordinator's office than your director's office. You better make sure that you impress that person and that you get along with that person. Wise statements there from Nate. You got to know the program coordinator and impress them as well. So we have talked about preparation. We have talked about practicing. We've talked about punctuality and just now professionalism. Now we're going to move on to the next P, and that P is precision. So, Scott, what, what do we mean by being precise? Nate, we're in emergency medicine. We don't need the one-hour-long dissertation and presentation on a patient. We're looking for the three-minute presentation. In the same way, the interviews probably need to be precise in their timing. What I mean by that is I think a minute should be your goal for responding to a question. If it's a very deep and broad question, maybe a minute 30. If it's a shorter one, yeah, maybe 45 seconds. But as a good rule of thumb, if you spend less than 45 seconds answering a question, that might create perceptions like maybe you haven't thought about it, or maybe this person is quick to speak, or maybe they're quick to judge, which might not go well for you. So one way, if you're a quick answerer, I would encourage you to try this. The interview asks you a question. Take a moment. Maybe look up to the corner of the room. Under your breath, say something like, that's a really good question. Or, let me think about that. Pause for three seconds, and then answer the question. That is really going to help slow things down if you're a quick talker, if you maybe are quick to answer. And that's going to also communicate to the interviewer that you're spending time considering this. If you've just got a rehearsed answer for everything and it's a reflex, that's not going to go well. So practice these kind of precise answers. On contrast, sometimes you've got the gift of gab and you like to ramble, and you like to talk, and then some. And here's another example, and more of what I think, and it kind of gets a little bit old. So if you go on longer than a minute, 
you might be a slow talker, you might be a rambler, you might be tangential, and you might need to get sedated with a little tin and two if you keep going too long. Believe me, it happens in the interviewer's mind. So make sure that you're precise. Yeah, I agree. This uh, can actually be one of the hardest parts of interviewing, uh, keeping your answers precise. And some programs out there actually set up their interviewers to be looking for different things. So some uh, interviewers are actually looking more uh, at your medical knowledge. Some may be more assessing your creativity, for example. And so you have to be very careful also that you're answering the actual question that was asked. You have to listen carefully. So, for example, if someone asks you, what are your weaknesses? And you're, you come off way off base, you say, oh, well, I, I, my weakness is that I, I study too much, and this is why I'm such a great uh, uh, academician, and this is why I'm so great at taking tests. You come across maybe as having a little bit of a difficulty understanding the question that was asked uh, and may seem like you're a little shallow on the insight. Totally. You can't answer like Hillary Trump. You got to answer the question asked. So Nate, the next thing is avoiding pet peeves. So I actually heard that there is an ICD-10 code for this PPS, pet peeves syndrome. Is that true? Have you diagnosed this before? Oh, all the time, all the time. It is perhaps inevitable that interviewers, after a long enough exposure to residency applicants over time, will suffer from pet peeve syndrome, or PPS. While the exact etiology of PPS is still under debate, some common triggers have been reported. So what we're talking about here really is just some things that on the other side of the desk, the interviewers will notice that may just kind of put them off from you, whether or not you truly realize that you're doing this or not. So I'm just going to run through some examples of some responses I've gotten from uh, from previous surveys on what people truly think are, are pet peeves. So things like falling asleep during an interview or on a tour, having no idea about the program you're interviewing at, going back up to uh, preparation, that's uh, definitely a pet peeve. Asking questions that clearly show you didn't bother looking at the website or didn't bother doing your research into the program. Only caring about uh, how many traumas you'll see. Uh, not realizing that we actually do other things too. That happens to be a, a personal pet peeve of mine. Oh, me too, man. Another one being overconfident, uh, inappropriately so. Another big one, criticizing other programs or other individuals never comes across well. Lacking the ability to express why you're interested in this specific program that you're at today. Uh, another pet peeve that's been described, uh, not taking the time to come to the night out after uh, all the prep that was done to host it for you. And finally, people have written in and said a big pet peeve is calling anybody in the program by their first name. Oh, man. Those are some big ones, and I, I couldn't agree more with all the statements you said. I think that drives a lot of people nuts as well. You have to have insight into what might irritate others, and I think that's a great list. I'll follow up with a few of mine. So I really have trouble with people um, that um, might um, say um every other word. Or like the time like when I was like on emergency medicine, like that was the best like time like of my whole like life. Like, like, do you know what I mean? 
So some people have some isms. Some people have some trips. They need voice lessons, and they might need to take some time out to reflect on some habits that you have. Maybe, maybe you're a fast talker, and you can't just stop talking about emergency medicine, and you might sound like you just had 15 of Adderall and that you came off of your 15th cup of coffee, and that's all you can think about today is emergency medicine. My God, why don't you take me? You might talk too fast. Other people might seem like they're hypothyroid, and you might kind of be blah, vanilla, unimpressive, stale, dry. And so you really have to find out what type of bent you have with your nonverbal communications, which is important, more than the voice, but also you might have some habits that you might need to take a look at. One of the things that I encourage you guys to take a look at is developing charisma. So charisma is the way that you interact with and deal with other people in a winsome, attractive, professional manner. And there's a charisma myth. Some people think that charisma is just something that you're born with, that it just comes natural for some and not for others, and I'm just cursed. But I think that's a myth. And there's a book called Charisma Myth by Olivia Fox that you might check out. If you don't have time to read the whole book, you might check out some podcasts that she's been on. The way I heard about this person was on one of my favorite podcasts called The Art of Manliness. And I know she's been on some other shows before that have gone into how we can develop charisma. And interviewing is a lot about charisma and avoiding pet peeve syndrome. All right, Nate, the very last one here is going to be perspective. So let's finish off this really stellar interview by closing with perspective. What do you mean by that? Remember that this interview is as much for your benefit as it is for the programs. Yes, this is a job interview. Yes, you need to prepare, be professional, be punctual. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to decide, do I like this place? Do I want to spend the next three to four years working here? And do I really fit with this program? And, and I think you really have to step back for a second and just ask yourself these questions, put everything into perspective, and, and try to decide, you know, does this program uh, offer what I want? Will I fit in here? Am I going to like working here? That's what I mean by perspective, that really we're trying to match people with the program that is right for them. Not every program is going to be right for everyone, uh, and vice versa, just because they may seem super competitive. We all think at this point, by the time you get to an interview, that you are going to be a successful emergency physician. We don't doubt that. We're just trying to figure out where you would be best to do your training. So take notes throughout the day, things that you like, things that you learned, things that perhaps you didn't like. Ask yourself the real question. If I was here at 4 o'clock in the morning... Do I want to hang out with these people? Would I be happy doing that? And finally, I'd say, you know, at the end of the day, when you're walking back out to your car, turn around, look at the hospital, and ask yourself honestly, can I walk into this building every day for the next three years and enjoy it? Yeah, some sage wisdom there, Nate. I've had students go and put an Excel sheet together or a Google Doc and compare and contrast some of the different factors that they felt were important to them. A lot of people might come in with a perspective just from a, a really organic feel 
and I can't put my finger on it, but it's just a fit. And it's an aha moment for a lot of folks. So everybody's going to have a little bit of a different approach. But I think the go-home thing is this is less stressful than you think and mostly an art of conversation and a relationship. You could go to FarmersOnly.com and match up with a program, but you're in the AAMC match. So that's what you're into, and it's kind of like a speed dating situation. One other point I'll say, you need to take in the perspective of your family. If you have a significant other, you need to take that person's input seriously into the equation. And it's going to be a really a marriage decision. So it's less stressful than you think. You guys are going to do great if you follow our really stellar interview, Peas for Success. Well, thanks, Scott, for those incredible words of wisdom, as always. Good luck to everyone out there on interviews. And remember, the seven P's of really stellar interviewing, preparation, practice, being punctual, professional, and precise, avoiding pet peeves, and finally, putting everything into perspective. And don't forget that if you're a fan of this podcast, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at emedcoach and at erdrn8, and subscribe via RSS or on iTunes. Other great resources are available at www.cdemcurriculum.com. This is Nate Lewis, along with Scott Weeders, wishing all the EM studs out there the best on interviews. And maybe we'll even see you on the interview trail.